happy to have you along, my fellow tech enthusiasts. I am Sam Bushman, along with Jay Harrison. Welcome, sir. Happy New Year, Sam. How's it going? Uh, thanks to you. Uh, it's going great. And a happy New Year to you and your family as well. Thank Network you. Providers, Inc. and PITechGuys.com. If you want to share this podcast with anybody else and your friends and loved ones, uh, or, of course, LovingLiberty.net, you can tell them to tune in and listen to the radio. Every Saturday uh, at noon, Mountain Time, 2 Eastern, runs the show on the radio. Uh, and then uh, we have two podcasts a week that roll out. So that's kind of for your FYI. Let's just kind of kick it off right and say Apple is in an epic battle. Uh, But I guess um, litigation is the headline, if you will. Apple uh, is allowed to now sell the two watches. They can now, for now I say, resume sales of their two smart watches. I guess there was an appeals court deal. There was a patent going on. It all related to its ability to track oxygen levels and all kind of stuff. And supposedly it violated some patents, so they tried to put the watches um, you know, off the market, and then Apple appealed, and, and now there's a stay, and now they can temporarily be back on the market, Jay. This is an epic battle, which is interesting to me, over patents, and I just don't know how you create a patent again, or a, a patent for reading oxygen levels. At some point, isn't that so basic that's not patentable anymore? I don't know. That's weird. No, I don't think so. I think that there's probably certain ways and methods that are doing it. I'm just surprised. You know, Apple, what is the the richest company in the world? I'm surprised they just haven't made a deal with this other company and just said, okay, fine, we'll license your technology for whatever, $5 a watch or something or whatever the, the cost would be. And maybe those other guys are just holding out for some giant payday. But I think blocking the shipment or blocking the sale of the Apple Watch probably isn't in either of their best interests. I don't think it's in the best interest of the company. It's certainly not in Apple's. I don't know why they haven't come to an agreement yet. Yeah, the patent disputes over its medical monitoring technology. And so I don't know if they stole technology from somebody or what, but I don't I don't know who benefits by forcing this um, allowing of the selling of watches or not. It's an import discussion, which I find even kind of more unique. Uh, I, I don't know where this goes, but but it's but only the sale here in America to, too. to solve these problems. Right. Yeah. And it's only the sale in America. It doesn't this isn't affecting Apple's overseas sales anywhere. That's why I'm saying it's an import issue, and that's why I'm saying I'm just not I'm just not so sure. There's got to be a way to work this out, and just not. Hopefully, the the on hold and the selling of watches can continue, and hopefully they can resolve this. I don't know if somebody's been wronged here without knowing the logistics and the details of the case. I can't really answer, but I, yeah. But I'm saying it's very strange, and I think the stopping of the sale of watches is a problem. Uh, dealing with this before the sale of the watches started should have been the answer. Of course, and they should have got all their ducks in the row before they did it. But if I were this smaller company. I would be scared that Apple will somehow figure out a way or get litigation in their favor um, and then either find a way around or fi- or modify their technique or their approach just enough to where they don't need these guys at all and then just cut them out rather than trying to just cut a licensing deal and, and let them share the technology. I don't. Well, that's why this smaller company, in my opinion, should have maybe gone about this a little differently. Now they've created yeah. a standoff. Uh, and the big guy with a lot of money is going to either, uh, you know, find some way to win. Microsoft would do this oftentimes. They would buy up companies back in the day. Oh, they yeah. would uh, take the technology and partner with the company. Then they would basically modify it slightly, steal the technology, let the company, the smaller company go, harming them in the marketplace. By the time these small companies would sue, it would be so far down the line that even if Microsoft lost, they could, you know, issue even a big payout. But the payout didn't compare to the benefit they got by the I don't know what you call it, technology acquisition slash theft in the first place. Um, we saw this with DOS, believe it or not, back in the early days of computing. We saw this with um, uh, 
DR DOS was what it was called at the time. They had a big lawsuit about that. The double drive, or I can't remember what it was called. Um, Where it increased the space of your. Yeah, it, it was like a drive double. Your drive, what was it called? There was a word for it. Anyway, I don't remember, that but technology I was another example of this and stuff like that. So this is commonly done. And what happens is the small guy loses every time. Uh, and sadly, I think that this is going to be similar. I think that this company might have been wronged, but I all at the same time think there's got to be a way they could have moved forward in a way that, that would not have created a standoff, which the smaller company will probably lose. And we um, don't know. It could be problem. that Apple is just like, hey, I don't I don't need to make a deal with you. We're going to win in the end either way. I mean, I don't know who the good guy or the bad guy is on this side. I just think it's unfortunate. And the consumer is really the one that, that I guess loses if Apple Watches aren't going to aren't going to ship but apparently what you're saying is hey this is going to go forward after all that you know there's going to they may have missed a week of sales around or after christmas time but that's no big deal really only in america yeah and only in america good point and so that's why i'm saying unless this company has no other option i think they've made kind of a foolish action uh just because you look at the history of this and you look at what the courts have done you look at these patents i don't think their patents are going to hold up again you might say well they've got a unique way of this and that and it might but I, I seriously doubt it. I, I think that they're going to basically say, hey, this technology is so general nowadays that I don't know that your patent's going to hold water. Or they may say to Apple, you got to slightly change how you're doing something. But but I'm telling you right now, the idea that, that Apple's going to get their head handed to them over this or be stopped, I don't think so. And here I was thinking last week, man, if you bought an Apple Series 9 watch, it might be a collector's item, you know, if they're really going to shut things down. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get, I don't think the long-term shutdown plan is the uh, uh, deal. Anyway, they can start selling the watches again now, too. So, and, and you know, for the average person, the question is, do you want one of these watches with that all over the head of this thing? Is it kind of another interesting question? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's valuable. It's not as valuable as, say, you know, Apple has talked about being able to do uh, blood glucose on a watch. That, to me, would be a lot more valuable than just your SpO2 reading but for some people you know if you have copd or if you're on oxygen that may be very valuable to have that information handy on your watch well, i think in the, in the end game i mean some device that could give you all the above would be phenomenal yeah and they're working on it and, and they're getting closer every day i'm sure they'd love to release that it's just a matter of time and technology and from a a um i don't know what you want to call it it professional position I think the more technology we can pack in to, to, to give more feedback and more data to the anybody or to people is is a good thing. From a technology point of view, it's a great thing. It is. Let's just pray that it's used right and wisely and carefully. Uh, let's pray that and we honor. And your data honor, belongs um, to you, hopefully. We Yeah, we honor data. We honor privacy. We honor all the things that matter. Let's do it right. But technologically speaking, it's a wonderful thing, Jay. Absolutely. I totally agree. I just I always worry about um, concerns, you know, that things will leak out. Or get in the and wrong right. hands. And it's a concern. And it happens. It does happen. <laughs> it, it not only does happen, it happens often. It happens way more than you think. And it's usually bigger and more, I don't know what you want to call it, calamitous? Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> what I mean is it's it's devastating. It causes all kinds of problems. But I don't see that you're going to basically um, do any good by, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, when cars first came out, people were like, no thanks, I'll ride my horse. And there was a debate on if horses or cars were better or whatever. I, look, you're not going to win this battle to stop this technology from rolling out everywhere. I don't care what patents you have. I don't care what. The people need this. This is a valuable, good technological advances that has so much application. You're not going to stop it. The only question is how it goes down, Jay. That's right. 
but there's no question that yeah, you it's can say be that you're going to ride your horse all day long, but now where are you going to? You know, where's the hitching post for you? Right? Yeah. Uh, and you don't even have the right to ride a horse in a lot of downtown places and areas now and everything. So, uh, look, things change. You're not going to stop it from changing. Uh, and, and so, in my opinion, I think that our time is best spent from an IT professional point of view and, and even a consumer point of view. I think spending time, how this goes down, working on the points that you bring up about let's make sure that we don't have privacy concerns leak. Let's make sure that patents are honored. Let's make sure that people are protected along the way. We can do this. We can do this right. It doesn't have to be a war all the way down. Uh, it can be we're all on the same side here. And what we want is transparency, uh, but privacy. We want stability. We want consistency in the laws to where people know what to count on, what to expect. All those things can avoid moral hazard, uh, can avoid unnecessary expenses. Anyway, I might be going on a little too long about these watches, but I think it's more than just about this patent, more than about just this watch. It's about everything related to your health, Jay, this frontier. And they're kicking off the CES Consumer Electronics Show 2024. What we're expecting, uh, writes the folks over at, um, oh, what's that group? Anyway, I'll look it up. Um, who are bringing this up? They're saying, hey, you know what? This is a serious issue. Uh, and technological advances in everything is happening. And the two big issues at the Consumer Electronics Electronics Show this year are supposed to be health applications and AI, Jay. Yeah, oh, that, it's TechCrunch. Sorry, TechCrunch deserves credit. Go ahead. I was just going to say that CES uh, is starting in January, January 9th through the 12th. It's going to be a Tuesday through Friday. That's be an interesting event. All the new tech, all the latest tech every year comes out uh, right at the beginning of the year in, in the Consumer Electronics Show, the CES. And I've been wanting to attend this show for years. I've just never been able to, to kind of work it out time-wise and everything else-wise. It's a tough um, time to make it. Right after the holidays, you're already taking a bunch of vacation, you know, things that you're trying to wrap things up, get into gear on new projects for the new year. It, I, I understand why they do it, but it's a tough time to make it. You and I both have uh, intended on going several different times, and it just it's hard to, to make it that time. Well, and what's interesting about it is they say that I think in 2021 or something like that, or 2020, one of those years, they had 170,000 people attend the thing. And usually it's one of the bigger shows. It's bigger than uh, almost any show that appears in Vegas, Jay. Yeah, definitely. All the main That is huge. Um, but what, what we're expecting asks TechCrunch, uh, and I think it's a fair question to ask and, and to say, they say more than anything, CES is the chance to plan or to plant a flag if you're a company, right? It's a massive trade show. But believe it or not, what's happening is that in the sea of releasing new products, now they say small companies just can't get a word in edgewise. So for the big companies having their own events like Apple does and everything else is fine. You don't need the CES so much. But for small companies and for startups, they're saying that the shift is making the CES more valuable for them than anywhere else they could go. It's a huge show. Yeah, I guess 171,000 attended in 2020 just before the lockdowns of COVID. And in 2023, um, it's been a lot less than that, but it's still well over 100,000. Anyway, they say this is a key opportunity for startups is what I find interesting, Jay. It's a twist. That's never really been the case. It's been usually a showcase of the big boys. Now that's changing because the big boys don't need the CES. The small folks are starting to fill in the gap, and this is the chance 
for you to kind of put out your flag and say, look, I've got something unique and new and different, and it's a chance for people to see it. I find that fascinating. Now, if you're a really big company like Apple, like Google, like Samsung, you're doing your own event whenever you want to do it. And you're having you – know, Google has I.O., Apple has their events. Uh, everybody has that. I, you know, it is a good opportunity for a small company, but number one, it's not cheap to be in the CES. And number two, you do have that problem of being kind of lost in a sea. There's so much going on at CES. I mean, even – even you know one or two people or, or a crew can't cover everything in there, even in the three, four days that it happens, because there's just so much stuff going on. You can interview all day long for as long as the show's open, and you won't even cover half the floor hardly. I think you're exactly right on that, and it'll be interesting to see where we go uh, with this. But I find it fascinating that it's an opportunity for startups. I find it interesting that health is one of the big keys there, and AI is one of the big keys. They say this, 2023 was the AI reality check for the American people, that AI is real, it's here, you can play with it. It's the first time the American people have kind of interacted with AI knowingly uh, and intentionally. So you've been involved in AI for a long time, you just haven't really been able to interact with it. So 23 was the interactive year. Hey, it's real, here it is, here's a box, type in something, do what you want, see how it reacts. They say 2024, this is the prediction of TechCrunch and, and what they think that the CES show will be focused on. It's going to be the generative year of AI claims for hardware products, Jay. So translate that into uh into human speech does that mean hardware products that are using ai internally or hardware products that are going out of the cloud and using cloud ai or a mixture of both or both either or the the, the hardware the, designed the by ai open you know is it going to be above hardware designed by ai now that could be some interesting twists and things that we've the not answer to your of. question is all the above jay yeah that, that'll be interesting <clears throat> okay think about Robot vacuums. You know, some people that I know just got some for Christmas and everything else. And you got these robot vacuums and stuff like that. Are they AI, Jay? Uh, it depends on how they how they plot and things. It could be programmatically done. It could be AI where they're right. looking at things. Um, it could be to where it just has these sensors where if it bumps into something, it just goes a different direction. It's yeah. not really that intelligent. It Back just, up, whatever. rotate 30 degrees. But the point and keep is going. that that's, this is one area that I think AI really can have value. It can literally learn and map out everything in your house or your office or your space or whatever and it can start to intelligently vacuum it can even uh maybe if it was a robotic vacuum enough it can whip out the hose for corners and do you know there's all kinds of things that ai could lend it to and this is just one example that i thought of on the fly um because what's the difference between a vacuum robot versus an ai driven robot with a with a um you know, you could literally use coordinate data uh, in your house that could that could correlate to this and build it a map and build it a, you know, don't go over here. This is where the cat box is or whatever. And, it, you know, you can start to create don't go zones and geo. I don't know if you call it geofencing. It's kind of weird, but you, you could create this whole thing. You also see this in restaurants where these robots are starting to go ahead and deliver. Uh, you know, the, the waitress walks up and the robot follows her. Some of those are, are based on things on the floor. Some of those things are based on tracking points from the ceiling. There's all kinds of ways they're doing this, but I'm telling you those are two examples of, of real AI advancement, Jay. I'm I, telling you right now. I think in, in restaurants, I think one of your biggest um, future places for robots is actually going to be at the grill, actually cooking and making the food um, versus trying to go out and deliver it. You're still going to want to see a human presence, I think, in restaurants, but if you can have something in the back just making everything exactly right, made to order, 
you know, doesn't make mistakes, doesn't need time off, all that kind of stuff. That's the where you're going to see a lot of AI. But your story before about um, about hardware and developments reminds me of a, a video that I've seen recently where have you ever played these uh, marble games? It's a hardware piece of wood usually, and there's a marble that follows a track, and there's several holes in yeah, it. Yeah, sure, of course. And you got to rotate the two knobs, the X and Y, kind of to make the marble follow the track. Um, so they hooked one of these up to an AI, and the AI did it faster than anybody else could do. Okay, no, no big thing there. However, what was interesting is the AI found shortcuts, found ways that you could skip parts of the board if you move things just right, just in its learning phase. They eventually they they kind of said to the AI or put in rules, hey, you can't do that. You got to follow the whole path. It did it, still did it in record time. But that's what the interesting part is: is is AI will find the corners that you didn't know even existed. And when you start doing hardware development using AI, we're going to find some really creative solutions to things that we're trying to accomplish, whether it's digital signal processing or whatever it is. I mean, any application that you put it to, when it learns like that, when it learns in kind of this brute force mode of of just pushing through. And they do this with video games too. You'll see uh, an AI playing, you know, Super Mario or something like that. And it'll learn these shortcuts or these flaws or glitches in the game that people didn't even know existed. Games that have been out for 35 years and, oh, we didn't even know we could do that, you know. And, and I think you'll see that, those kind of advances in AI. And there may be certain leaps that we'll make because of just this out of the box approach on how to solve problems. Yep, so AI hardware is one of the big things they're going to be doing, and all the above approaches I think are relevant, and I gave you some examples where I think that you know, you'll know you see it kind of first take. Um, you'll just get smarter and smarter and smarter vacuums and devices and, and uh, these things. The next one, anticipate that more companies will lead into automated processes on the back end. In other words, people are going more towards the cloud. Companies are starting to rely on more and more and more automated processes. That's going to be backed by AI, and that's going to be a huge lean into for the 2024 CES as well, Jay. Yeah, that's that is true. It definitely. Um, I, I I love to learn about how people are doing this, you know, and, and what they're doing to simplify those things. So that's always fascinating. Amen to that. They say TV will be huge as it always is. Uh, usually LG and others have made this the place where they roll out the biggest screens possible, but TV will continue to be a major focus. And just imagine start putting AI in TVs, Jay. I need a bigger house before I can buy a bigger TV, Sam. <laughs> yes, you can sit back further. I guess. I mean, you, when at <laughs> CES is traditionally, you know, they're like, we're rolling out 120 inch plasma. And I'm just thinking, I don't, it can't even fit that in my house. Uh, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, yeah, and maybe I don't we'll know, put that on Times Square, you know, on the billboard. Yeah, and I don't know if it's really they're saying, "Hey, this is what co you know businesses use," or this is that uh, this is just showing that we're kind of like building the fastest computer in the world. What good does it really, you know, when yeah, is it really used rights. on a on a rollout basis? A lot of it's bragging rights, I think, uh, etc. So TV is going to be a big thing. The other big thing is going to be automotive, Jay, and AI. Right. What do you think of that? I think that. Well, we've been promised self-driving cars for years. And really, a couple of, I don't know, probably three, four years ago, I thought we were really on the cusp of it happening. But it seems like it's slowed down. It's dialed back. A lot of the optimism has kind of died back. There's been some problems. You know, um, some companies have even gotten their their uh, early licenses revoked and had to go back kind of to the drawing board because things aren't working out quite right. So, you know, 
I I was really hoping to see. I was you know I was even telling stories to my kids like, man, I could see a day when you guys grow up and you won't even know how to drive because your cars will just drive for themselves. Now I'm a little bit bullish on that or a little bit uh, bearish, I guess I'd say on that opinion. Do I think that's really going to happen? I don't know. It might be like we thought flying cars back in the 30s and 40s were going to happen right around the corner. Yeah, they're literally showing new EVS or electronic or electric vehicles at the event. Car makers generally make a huge splash at these kind of CES shows as well, Jay. That's true. Well, there's a an interesting truck company that I've seen recently. Um, the name of them is Edison. I guess kind of a ploy on on competition to Tesla, and they're you, they're making diesel electric trucks. So you have a diesel motor. But you also, the main drive, think of like diesel electric freight trains. I mean, almost all your freight trains are diesel electric hybrids. And you've got a diesel engine turning a generator so that you have all the electricity. And you have, and the motors are electric that are on the ground. And you, so you have all the torque and all of the benefits of electricity. But you have all the longevity and, and distance that you have with, with a fossil fuel engine that you can just refuel literally in a couple of minutes and be back on the road. And so these Edison uh, semi-trucks are pretty interesting. Small company, kind of built out of a garage, and they're making headway. And they're pretty interesting if you haven't seen those. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see, what else is supposed to be big? They say these cars, there's all kinds of aspects of cars that are related to this, from electric vehicles to AI in cars to updated media capabilities and navigational capabilities in vehicles and and all that's supposed to be huge too, Jay. Oh yeah, it's always a big sector in CES. Again, it, it's overwhelming how much stuff is available there from every aspect of technology. Anyway, CES runs the ninth through the twelfth in Las Vegas. If y'all want to go, hey, it's something that ought to be quite fun now, to attend. I really would love to go, Jay. Can the average consumer get tickets to this, or do you have to have some sort of uh, industry tie-in? No, the consumer can get tickets, um, and people, everybody can, all kinds of people can go. And you, there's different tickets that cost different prices for different purposes and all that kind of stuff. You know, you could be a vendor, you could be whatever. And, right. You know, the real discussion is who's the target audience for CES. And I think it's, a lot of it is not just the average consumer, like you're saying. A lot of it is experts in the field, such as me and you, consultants and other people that are going, hey, I want to see what's out there, and I want to see what the future's holding, and I want to see what people are working on and doing. Uh, and you kind of come back with this knowledge. There's also a lot of things off-site that people attend, meetings with people, meeting with people, learning about products that aren't quite ready for prime time. So Company A will say this isn't ready for prime time, so I'm not going to show it at the show. But I will invite some of my potential partners or potential sales you know, channel people and everything else to come view what I'm working on and, and see what they think about it and get their input on it and everything else. And So it's a huge show that's designed for a lot of purposes, Jay. Yeah, big opportunities there for networking for sure. Now, if you, I don't know if you can buy tickets at the door, but they got to be expensive. they got to be in the hundreds of dollars, I would assume. Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt about that. Let's not think that it's gonna, a, a cheap event and that everybody can go. But, you know, people spend a lot of money on a lot of things, Jay. That's true. Anyway, yeah, I guess it kicks off two days prior on the 7th, but the main floor, the main is uh, January 12th or a ninth through the 12th in Las Vegas is kind of the spot that it's at or whatever. I just found that really interesting to highlight. And like I say, I've wanted to go for quite some time and just haven't really been able to get it together to do. Partly money, partly time. There's a lot of reasons. But one of these days I'm going to get there, Jay. And when I do, I want to report live. Absolutely. I want to do a bunch of interviews from the floor. I'll probably be there with you, Sam, when it happens. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. 
I love it. But anyway, TechCrunch says CES, what we're expecting. And uh, we basically took a lot of details from that article, but then kind of added some of our own uh, opinions on this. Um, I think the average person, TV's key. Uh, I think that's really where you can kind of see what, what's going to happen in TV. Are we going to get more picture-in-picture capabilities? More, You know, you see some of these things on uh, YouTube and other places where you can watch four games at, at once and this kind of stuff. And you're going to see more and more. The question is, can the human mind keep up is the real question, huh? Thanks for being alongside for the ride. NPITechGuys.com for the podcast. NetworkProvidersInc.com for our corporate enterprise. And would love to have you check in with us to see how we can help you with any IT needs you may have. Make it a great tech day, will you? Hey, thanks. Thanks.